Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I know what it's like to hear those three words. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. One day I said to my wife, Linda, that I hated the fact that I had cancer. And she looked at me and said, no, sweetheart, we have cancer. This transformed the way I looked at cancer because every one of us is touched by it in some way. Patients and survivors, caregivers and medical professionals, and we all have a story to tell. On each episode, we share those stories to inform, inspire, and provide hope to all of us who are affected by cancer to remind us that we are not alone. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 172 of the We Have Cancer podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And it is March, and March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month for my friends in the colon cancer community. So glad you're with us. So glad you're able to be a part of the colon cancer community and the We Have Cancer community. I know we will all be rocking our blue. You know, every cancer's got its color. Royal blue is the colon cancer color, and we'll be rocking our blue all through the month of March. March is an extra special month for me. I'll talk more about this in the next episode, but I'm coming up on my big cancerversary here real soon. Speaking more about colon cancer awareness, I always like to share my own personal updates. I had uh, my most recent scan a week ago, and you know I do pretty good in the scanxiety department. I got to tell you, I really do. But I was a bit nervous on this one because right before Thanksgiving, my oncologist and I made the decision to cut back on my chemotherapy and eliminate the 5-FU from my routine of 5-FU and Avastin and just go to Avastin and also change my schedule from every other week to every three weeks. And certainly it basically eliminated all the side effects that I was dealing with, but I was a little apprehensive as we got closer to scan time. Was that the right decision and would I regret that decision? And I'm thrilled to share with all of you that my scan came back stable. No new growth. Nothing has grown. Things are continuing to stay where they've been for well over a year now. I've got a few small metastases in my liver that are just kind of hanging out. They're pretty small, haven't done a thing. And my oncologist was pleased. And when he's pleased, so am I. So I wanted to share that good news with you. Going back to Colon Cancer Awareness Month, folks, if you or someone you love is 45 or older and they have not been screened for colon cancer, please don't wait. I was diagnosed through a routine colonoscopy with no symptoms. So if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. Please get screened. There's a lot of great resources out there for information. You can visit the Colon Cancer Coalition at coloncancercoalition.org. The Colorectal Cancer Alliance also has amazing resources at their site, ccalliance.org. Direct your friends, family to either of those places or both for more information. But let's continue the work to eradicate colorectal cancer. 
I want to talk about my guest this week. I'm so excited to bring on Michelle Moore. You can learn more about Michelle by following her on social media. She's on Instagram at, at Mother's Grace, on Twitter at Graceful Moms, and you can also find her on Facebook at Mother's Grace. Michelle recently wrote an amazing book called A Mother's Grace, Healing the World One Woman at a Time. Michelle is a breast cancer survivor and like so many of us survivors wanted to find a way to make a difference in the world and what she did was in her book she profiles 10 moms like herself who've taken their own personal challenges through trauma or illness and turned that around to make a difference in the world to give back to their communities just like Michelle has done with Mother's Grace her own a nonprofit. I know you're going to enjoy and be inspired by Michelle's story. Join me now for my conversation with Michelle Moore. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. What an amazing story and congratulations on the launch of your book, A Mother's Grace, Healing the World One Woman at a Time. And speaking of women, as I was looking at your story, something jumped out at me. And that is that you were a young girl when your mother passed away. Mm -hmm. was a nurse. Yes. Right? Yeah. How much did her background as a nurse impact your, you know, desire to, to help others, to make a difference, to get started with, you know, with Mother's Grace? What an excellent question to start. I feel that her mission to help with people, you know, that were dealing with health crisis was certainly a big percentage of why I wanted to get involved in something like this. Her short life was extremely impactful to me, not only that she was a nurse, but that she suffered with a congenital heart defect. And then she went back to work to help pediatric cardiac patients. So it really became this feeling of mine that sometimes the people that have had these experiences are the best people to be out there helping others in the same situation because no one knows it like the people that have gone through it. What memories do you have of her in that role as nurse? You know, it's it's a sad it's sad because I have very bits and pieces. I was five when she passed. Bits and pieces I felt extremely unconditionally loved. That's the feeling that resonated with me. But pictures, it's almost like a picture story of, see, I always remember seeing her in her nursing whites and the photos I have are a lot in her nursing whites back when they were very conservatively dressed with the nylons and the, and the pinned hat. Um, but the, unfortunately, one of the, the most prominent memories that I have is the day that she died when I was with her and the few days that followed with her funeral and all the trauma to the family. So I think that's that's probably the most prominent memory for me. And how does it make you feel, you know, fast forward to, you know, an adult and and all that you're doing now to have that kind of impact on other women and their families? Yeah, so I think you know, I have this thing where I can really 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 empathize now it's not a sympathy, it's more of an empathy. And it's when you've gone through these things, 
you know, like I did with losing my mother and growing out, growing up without my mother and then being going through cancer myself, I really have just actualized every experience. And so when someone's going through it, I just, I really can feel the different things they feel, you know, the grief or the pain or the anxiety, the depression, I can really relate to that. And it really does impact what we do at Mother's Grace and our charity. We just really come in at a time when when moms and, and women are just throwing up their hands and saying, you know, God, I need some help here. And and we want to make it very, very expeditious and quick so that they feel supported and, and in their burden. Your first event was at the time of this recording, we're coming up, we're a week out of Christmas in 2020, was uh, over 14 years ago, a fundraiser that you did to support those impacted by Hurricane Katrina. Yes. Now, you're in Arizona. Yes. was in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. How did that all come to be? Just another kind of divine happening. This was, this was prior to Mother's Grace hap- being put together, but I always, you know, as you talked about earlier, always had this need to meet other mothers going through things. And, and they, they just, I don't know how to say it, but they just fueled my need both for a mother's connection, but also connecting with them and understanding what they were going through. So my, I had three sons and they were very young at the time. My oldest was in third grade and we were watching, I think 2005, the unfolding of Hurricane Katrina right here in our, you know, country. And it was one of the most traumatic things we ever watched on TV. And I just had this calling, like, and I'd never done any disaster relief before, ever. And I'd never been to New Orleans before. And we were just watching this on TV. I was like, you know, I got to make a phone call. I got to find out what we can do. And um, I called a couple places and was hooked up with this place called St. Paul's Homecoming. And the little woman there, Connie Udo, who's the first chapter in my book, was just a regular mom taught tennis on the side, sold vitamins, and we just connected right away. And she said, come on down. And so my friend and I packed up our kids and we went down there first time for a weekend and just helped clean up houses. And we went down three, four other times and really became close to Connie. And she ended up being one of the heads of St. Paul's Homecoming and Hike for Katrina. She planted over, I think, 500,000 trees and 60,000 homes was part of 60,000 homes being rebuilt there. She was also the one that went to Congress on behalf of New Orleans for FEMA support. So she just, just an amazing energy, but we just, we just flew down there and met her and stayed in a hotel and just connected. And then two years later, you receive some really tough news yourself and found yourself on the need of help and support. Tell us about yeah, that. so that's really the whole premise behind the Mother's Grace book is that, you know, I lose my mom when I'm five and I'm, you know, subconsciously going through life looking for this connection to mothers and particularly mothers that could relate to me and understand what the pain and grief it was like of loss. And so I think that's why Katrina resonated with me so much. So I, I was working in corporate America at the time and was trying to look for projects within corporate America that I could support. And then all of a sudden in 2008, I became one of those mothers and was diagnosed with a very, very aggressive form of breast cancer. My 41st, right around when I turned 41. And three weeks later, 
I was getting ready to go in for my first round of chemo the next day. And my seven-year-old son, my middle son, was acting very strange. He was usually my happy one. And because I worked in diagnostics, I thought I need to get him into the doctor prior to me starting chemo because it will be crazy. So I took him in at four o'clock that night and he was rushed to Phoenix Children's Hospital near death in a diabetic ketosis and was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. So the next year, you know, he was in the hospital for a week. I was getting chemo for the next year. I was in chemo, five surgeries, a study at the university of Arizona. And, and, and then we, you know, we really had to focus on, um, on, on him and teaching him how to be insulin dependent. So this just was a, a sudden diagnosis for him just came out of nowhere. Yes, it was, it was, um, with juvenile diabetes, the virus is, there's a virus that can attack the pancreas. And that's what happened to him. He had a, a really long virus and he came out and he just kept continuing to be sick. And like I said, right, if I hadn't, it, it's almost, it's almost another situation that was probably divine because, because I was going in for treatment the next day, I thought I better get him in and just check him out. But within five minutes of being at the pediatricians, they were like, Oh, he's going to the hospital. So you know, it, that nearly saved, that saved his life. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the We Have Cancer Show. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Brody Nicholas and I have the honor of leading Campaign One at a Time. This month, we are sponsoring a five-year-old little girl named Caroline. Caroline is from Clovis, California and is currently battling osteosarcoma. Despite everything she's going through, Caroline always has a smile on her face and she never fails to bring joy to others. She loves dancing and even dances through her chemo treatments. Caroline recently had a major surgery to remove her right humerus and tumor, which is now replaced with a prosthetic bone. Although Caroline has missed out on a lot due to her treatment and now her inability to move her right arm, her and her family like to focus on the things she can do and not what she can't. This month, we are on a mission to raise $10,000 to send Caroline and her family on a trip of a lifetime to the Alani Disney Resort in Hawaii. Caroline has really wanted to go to Hawaii after she's done with treatment, as well as Disneyland, so we thought this would be the best of both worlds. You could learn more about Caroline's campaign and how you can help by visiting wehavecantorshow.com forward slash Caroline. Thank you so much for listening, and let's keep spreading good together so we can make more amazing memories possible for another brave warrior. What was your emotional state? You know, <laughs> And then, you know, you needing care, he needing care, you're the mother. I can't imagine what that was like. So that's the premise of a mother's grace. My emotional state was devastated, broken. I mean, I just, when you have a cancer diagnosis, and I'm sure you understand, you just, it's an unfolding. It's not like they tell you you have cancer one day. First, you have the biopsy, and that's the first diagnosis. Then they tell you how aggressive it is. Then they tell you where it else is. It's just, it's an unfolding. And it's, for me, it was, it felt like in the beginning, it was going to be much better than it was. And it just, it kept getting worse. It was first, it was not invasive, then it was invasive. And then it was HER2 positive, which is very, very aggressive. And and so my emotional state was just like in a constant state of panic waiting for that next phone call and and also trying to keep my son from being in ketosis because it would teach a 7-year-old how to be insulin dependent is just insane 
So that's the premise behind Mother's Grace. I was broken. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was working. I had two other children and 10 and, and four. And I just remember going into my office and seeing, seeing that, uh, you know, there is a stack of mail and bills that you can't even deal with because you don't have the wherewithal to sit and look at them. It's not that you can't pay them. Maybe you can't. I mean, some people can't because you've just spent all this money on medical, but it's, it's just the wherewithal. You're, you're exhausted and you're also scared to death. Fast forward two years later, Mother's Grace was officially born, right? Yeah. What was the thought process to, to actually create you know, this, this nonprofit to you know, specifically help women and women's families in need? Yeah, so it was just that. It was a woman or a mom, particularly a mother. We always feel like, and I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to, uh, you know, slight the men and the fathers. Of course, they're, they're, you know, so integral to this process. But sometimes moms as children, and, and if they're working, feel like the backbone of the family, right? So especially with young children. And it felt like what I was going through was a new thing to me. It was like, oh my gosh. What, there's all these other people out here. I actually had a good job and good insurance. So what if there's a mom out there that's a hairdresser, a teacher, someone that has to take time off or or maybe their child is sick and they have to take time off and camp out with their child and they can't bring in income. I just am dealing with that with a, a very success, successful realtor whose daughter is has leukemia and she's been in the hospital with her daughter, six-year-old, for six months. She can't be out selling houses. So that was the premise behind that is just, you know, what are these mothers doing? It's not that they're not trying to be contributing members of the community. It's that they're, when you have a kid that's in the hospital, you have to stay in the hospital with them. You can't leave them. And if you're sick yourself, you know, it's just, it's, it's too much to be trying to bring in home the bacon when you're going through cancer treatment. Sure. You know, it's you, in your book, you profile, you know, so many women, just because this is the We Have Cancer podcast, yes, that's some of their stories. You even have, uh, you know, women in there who are, you know, doing what they can to support military families. And you talked about, uh, you know, the woman in her family who was impacted by Katrina. Uh, where do you find these stories? You know, how do they come up on yeah. your radar? <laughs> It's another, if you read the, you know, the book, it's very, again, very, very divine the way I have found these women, the way they've come into my life. You know, speaking of one of the women who, her name is Lorraine Tallman, who lost her daughter to leukemia when she was 11 years old. Someone gave her my name at an exercise class and said, Mother's Grace is helping charities get off the ground because we mentor women that want to start their own organization as well. And we went and had coffee and we just bonded. Again, she had been through this tremendous grief. I'd been through tremendous grief. And I think when you've gone through stuff like that and you're a cancer survivor, you learn to eliminate the noise of personal agenda and you just get to the heart of the matter. And the minute you're sitting down with somebody, you just bond. So, you know, she, she, she started, helped her start a charity with marketing and, um, you know, doing all the paperwork, the legal paperwork, and, and she got going. And now she's one of the largest uh, pediatric support systems in the country. It's called uh, Comfy Cozy for Chemo. And it's 
They also help develop the Baird needle for pediatric uh, oncology so that kids don't have to be poked so much. So, you know, just working together. And she's here in Phoenix, so we, we, we collaborate quite a bit. But some of the other stories are just, just as divine. I just meet them either through a friend at a restaurant, someone puts us in touch. And the, one of the most compelling stories to me in the book is the one where mom was lost her daughter in the Parkland shootings in Florida. And if you, you know, want to think about trauma and grief, that's one of the, that's one of the hardest stories to read. Where, where do you see this going? Where, what's, you know, you've been doing this for officially, I guess, 10 years now mm-hmm. is, is what's the big goal? Or have you already achieved it? What, where do you, you know, if you so, can wave the wand, what does that look like? What's interesting about Mother's Grace is we're so, we have this board of women that are professionals, doctors, businesswomen, uh, accountants, and they all fit a piece of the puzzle. So, and we don't do bricks and mortar. So we'd have everything uh, online and we're able to do 93% pass through. So every dollar that comes in is 93 cents going back to the community because everything is just very efficient. And it's volunteer. So I can tell you that people all over the country have heard of us and now internationally, and they, they've asked us, well, when are you bringing Mother's Grace to the East Coast? Because there's not, I don't believe there's another charity out there because we get requests from hospitals all over the country that actually reviews an application and says, okay, this mom's going to be out for 30 days. We're going to come in and pay her mortgage so she can just rest for 30 days and not worry about the mortgage. So I would say it's to expand to different regional areas because right now we keep 85% of the funding in Arizona and, but able to really, I mean, I helped somebody in Florida today. So I think expanding and then I think continuing on with this book and making sure people understand that you're not alone and that there are people out there to support you and that as women and mothers, you know, some of the worst stuff has happened to the mothers in this book and they can still come through the other side and thrive. So you're out working in the garden and when you're done, your hands are covered with dirt and mud or maybe you're working on your car and your hands are covered with grease and oil when you're done. Do you clean up by just wiping them off with a dry paper towel and going on about your day? I don't think so. So why do we do that with our butts? Why do we clean up with a dry piece of paper? If you're being treated for cancer like I am, you know oftentimes chemotherapy increases the trips to the bathroom. And I was at my wit's end trying to find a way to get comfortable and eliminate the itching and pain associated with all those trips to the bathroom. And that's when I came across Lux Bidet. In about 15 minutes, I attached the uh, bidet to my toilet and haven't looked back and it's been uh, some time now and it just leaves me feeling clean and refreshed and it's something you really should check out. You can do so by visiting wehavecancershow.com forward slash Lux, that's L-U-X. XE. You should know that if you do make a purchase, that We Have Cancer Show does receive a little bit of a commission from that, but that does not in any way increase the price that you pay for the bidet itself. It just helps support the show. You have many options to choose from. I can't live without it, 
and I know once you get one, you won't be able to either. Again, visit wehavecancershow.com forward slash Lux. That's L-U-X-E. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. You know, you read the testimonials on your website, and it's just incredible. Oh, uh, the you. heartfelt comments from the women and families that you've touched, just like you said, you know, you stepped in and paid the mortgage, you covered this expense or that bill. Mm-hmm. My goodness, you know, if there's any question as to the impact, it's it's right there. Where does your funding come from? You know, (laughs) private donors a lot. Um, Like you said, we started a fundraiser 12 years ago. And I think the first fundraiser we ever had, only 50 people came. You know, nobody knew about us. I think we raised like $30,000. Well, now, 13 years later, by word of mouth, we raised nearly a half a million dollars in event. And a lot of private donors, businesses really get behind us and support us because we get a lot of coverage and They've got good souls, and in turn, we can promote them through a lot of media. We get great coverage both through magazines, social media, TV. So a lot of that, we just this year started applying for grants. We don't have a grant writer because we try to keep expenses down. So I would say private and businesses is is really where it's come from in the past. Is there a pitch you need to make or people just hear (laughs) about you and open up the checkbook, so to speak? Well, you know what? Please visit our our website at www.mothers-grace.org. And you can certainly read about us. I think the testimonials are amazing and know that we're doing things all over the country and in different parts of the world now. And we'd love to have donations. You know, we get things as small as $10 and I got a check today for $20,000. So every donation makes a difference. And we're really doing an end of the year push right now because we weren't able to hold our event this year and we've done a lot for COVID. We've fed frontline workers all over, including New York and Florida, and we've paid mortgages and car payments for people that have lost their jobs during COVID. So we're doing an end of the year push. And if you're interested, please email us at mmmgrace at me.com. would love to talk to you about that, especially with, with any of your businesses. Well. We will certainly promote that on the episode when it comes out, which we talked about will be the spring. But I, I know that the unfortunately the, the need will not diminish. <laughs> yeah. Are you still doing your annual Mother's Day event? Or we are. So it was on the books last year. But we had to cancel because of um, COVID. We're hoping to do it in April this year. Yes. Excellent. So in twenty twenty one. 2021. Well, when this episode drops, it'll be a month out. So we'll be uh, more than happy to promote that and any other things that you have going on. Thank you so much. What an incredible story. And and more importantly, the impact that you're having on the lives of so many people, that's got to be, that's got to feel good when you lay your head on the pillow every night. It's surreal. It's surreal. I don't think about it you know, we just were very, very, very in the moment people. But when you talk about it, it kind of makes me emotional right now. I really appreciate having a conversation about it because it makes it real. And I I don't get a chance to really feel these things as much. So today I kind of feel it as we're talking about it. Excellent. That, that uh, I'm thrilled to hear that. And I get it, you know, sometimes I'm going to date myself, you know, sometimes the things we do is kind of like the old, Time to make the donuts commercial. Get up and do your thing, right? 
and then, right? yeah. Yeah. and I got an email from a listener that, you know, talked about, you know, the impact that the podcast has have. And, and then you get emotionally go, yep. Okay. Yeah. That's why I'm doing it. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I'm just, yeah. It's just, especially during the holidays right now to hear that back from you. It's like you're standing in front of the mirror and makes me feel, it, I don't know. Kind of, I, I feel emotional right now. So thank you. Well, sure. And you know, no matter what, faith a person subscribes to, I think everybody would agree that uh, this is a perfect example of, as they say, doing God's work, right? You know, whoever your God may be. And, uh, you know. That's right. We, we, we subscribe to that. Absolutely. Yes. So again, Michelle, thank you so much for the just the amazing work that you're doing. And thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule to share it here on We Have Cancer truly appreciate it and wish you so so we don't throw again throw our listeners off they're going to go why is he saying merry christmas and this is and this is a uh, march but you have to know that again michelle and i are recording this conversation the week before christmas so you yeah. and your family a merry christmas and a healthy happy and a new year that brings you much more joy much more peace and much more families that feel the love and grace of the work that you do same to you, Lee, and I. Uh, many, many blessings to you and your family. Thank you so much. Take care. The Colon Cancer Coalition has some exciting and wonderful events taking place virtually, as well as at several locations across the country. There's a Get Your Rear in Gear Run Walk event taking place in Charlotte on the 21st of March. But if you go on the Colon Cancer Coalition's website at donate.coloncancercoalition.org, you can find information on all of the events, including how you can virtually participate in one of the Get Your Rear and Gear Run Walk events, and information on that is on the website. Kickoff is March 1st next week, and do check it out and support those of us like myself who've been battling colorectal cancer. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer and thank you to the Colon Cancer Coalition for your ongoing support. You can learn more about the Colon Cancer Coalition by visiting their website at coloncancercoalition.org. You can subscribe to the We Have Cancer podcast Stay up to date on our latest blog posts, listen to the latest episodes, and much more by visiting our website at wehavecancershow.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at wehavecancerpod. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group by visiting We Have Cancer. Thank you again for listening. Be well, everyone.